0: Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys. As always, the night before National Signing Day, so much going on around Tar Heel football. And on tonight's edition of the podcast, here by myself, but I will be taking you through everything that you need to know before National Signing Day, including a big day for Carolina in the 2024 class today, the day before, uh, as they get ready for tomorrow. You also have commitments on the transfer portal for Carolina. Two of them, we'll talk about both of those, what they mean. You also have two other targets that Carolina was looking at, guys that Carolina hosted for official visits that have gone elsewhere. So we'll talk about that, what each one of those uh, commitments means uh, for Carolina and uh, you know also where Carolina goes now that those guys have gone elsewhere. So plenty to get to here on this edition of the show. I do want to say, of course, we talked about it on the basketball podcast, uh, Four Corners podcast. Uh, if you guys uh, are not listening, uh, we talked about it. But uh, once again, want to extend our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Eric Montross he was a legend uh, in the Carolina community uh, not only on the basketball court but in the community as well so many kind words uh, that we've heard about Eric Montross and um, honestly the most pictures I've ever seen of any former player really just anybody associated with the athletic department everybody seems to have a photo of themselves with Eric Montrose, just shows you the type of man that he was so uh, from everybody here at the Heel Tough blog uh, and and you know the entire group we want to extend our condolences to the family to his friends and of course to the Carolina basketball program. So uh, let's move on to, uh, talk uh, you know as as much as we can move on and talk a little bit about the day that Carolina had on the 2024 recruiting trail today and. Uh, this one, you know, the first move of the day makes a little bit more sense when you talk about the second move. And let's talk about that first one. Carolina goes on the uh, onto the JUCO trail for the first time since 2019. And uh, wondering if how many can actually name that last player. I'll give you a second to think of it. Uh, but it was a guy that was a pretty key contributor for Carolina for uh, the first three years of Mac Brown's tenure here Raymond Volosik, Uh that is you know a, a guy that I think you're, you're kind of hoping if uh, the guy that they landed today cornerback Tyrene Stewart out of East Mississippi Community College uh, if he can turn into that type of player in terms of production you would hope he'd be able to stay a little bit more healthy than you saw Raymond velosic. But if he can turn into that type of player production-wise, you would be pretty satisfied uh, with what you're getting from him. Uh, This is, you know, one of those, to me, uh, low-risk, high-reward type moves for Carolina. There's some really good things to like about his game. But, you know, look, this is a guy that did have to go to junior college coming out of high school in order to refine his game a little bit. So, you know, expectations shouldn't be super high for him. But when I watched his film, there is a lot that I like about him. Um, First, the most noticeable thing about his film is that he is a press man corner. That's where he thrives, that's pretty much uh, the majority of the snaps that you see from him were played in press man and I think that's where he's most comfortable. He likes being physical at the line of scrimmage, don't get it wrong. He's a very fluid player. His hips open up pretty, uh, pretty easily. He does a really good job of covering guys down the field um, with his speed and acceleration. He breaks on the ball pretty well. If he is dropping into coverage and has to step up and make a play, so look, there's a lot to like about him. Um, I love how aggressive he is. But the the key to me is that the you know this looks like a guy that Carolina is bringing him in. Maybe because they're looking at a little bit of a scheme change. Don't know if this sort of signifies that maybe they're going to have a new defensive coordinator. It could be Charlton Warren who might be willing to be a little bit more aggressive than Gene Chiswick or if, you know, even Gene Chiswick is sticking around, if there is going to be more aggression outside from the corners. And look, that's something that Gene Chiswick has talked about. It could just be the personnel that Carolina has in there right now that was recruited by the previous defensive staff before he got there. But I, I think he wants, get, that this group needs... Uh, more physical corners on the outside, and that shows up there. Um, It shows up in the run game, although you didn't see a lot of it on his film. I mean, look, this guy had 64 total tackles this year, which was fourth most on his team, which, by the way, did go to the NJCAA uh final and did fall short of, they got blasted by Iowa Western Community College um in that game 61 to 14 was actually watching that one uh, when we were out hanging out watching a Hornets game for uh for WFNZ the station uh earlier uh or late last week so um yeah look he he's a guy that I think you know Carolina brings him in. He's someone that I don't know if they're looking at him and, and, and thinking, okay, this is a guy that's going to immediately start for them. Um, but he's a guy that I think is probably worth the risk and probably just slides in as a normal type of recruit, the guy that has a little bit more experience as well. So maybe if you do want him to impact things a little bit earlier, I know it's a lower level of, of college, but it's still, we we saw it with Raymond Velasik, that experience can pay off for you. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does with him and how he fits into a defensive backroom that uh, Carolina hit really, really hard in this class. And we'll talk about it more tomorrow um, when we break it down on our signing day special. Uh, more than likely, because of the challenges that we're having with the Internet, it's probably just going to be me, the other thing. With that is, it's going to have to be earlier in the day because Carolina does play at night in the uh, in in the Jordan Brand Invitational here in Charlotte. So we're going to want to get that done earlier in the day so that you guys can get prepared, head over to uh, the Spectrum Center, and be in position to watch Carolina take on Oklahoma. But Uh, You know, this is a defensive back group that is loaded in this class. They've got seven commits in the class right now, Uh, multiple guys that are versatile, that can play multiple positions for you. Um, And, and, you know, you, you, you bundle that with, you know, the corners that Carolina's bringing in in this class combined with the group that Carolina brought in last year. Uh, where they hit the cornerback spot very hard, and it feels like there are a lot of bodies here, a lot of guys with uh, you know a, a ton of upside, not quite the heavy hitters that we saw in some of the past classes that Carolina brought in, a lot of which have since moved on and gone elsewhere, so maybe this group, which you know isn 't really as highly regarded coming out of high school. Maybe they're a group, though, that can, can succeed a little bit more under the direction of Charlton Warren and Jason Jones than, in the, than the previous staff was able to get out of the highly rated guys. Um, you move to the second piece of news that Carolina got on the 2024 trail uh, today, and that is that Keenan Jackson, the three-star wide receiver from Weddington High School in Matthews, young man that just won a state title uh, a couple of weekends ago. He is decommitting from Carolina. And the expectation is that he will be flipping his commitment to the rival NC State Wolfpack. This is not a shocker. I was tipped off to this about a week ago. uh, That this could potentially be happening. And that this is something that was being worked on behind the scenes by NC State. Really since he committed to Carolina And you know the thing is, is I said this when we were talking about him committing back in the summer, him and and even Javarius Green at the time. You just wondered how many spots Carolina honestly had at wide receiver. Um, I'm not saying that they told him that he needed to look elsewhere. It's more about the fact that guys would look and say, "Hey, I'm the." I'm the third or fourth receiver probably in this class, and with Jackson, I mean, look, three-star prospect, actually the lowest-rated out of the four wide receivers. Um, you know, he, he probably looked around and said, "I'm not really the guy that everybody's going to be talking about. Um, I'm I'm probably not the guy that's going to have the first crack at reps. That's probably going to be a guy like Jordan Ship." or Alex Taylor, so he probably said, look, this is in my best interest. I'm going to a place where I can probably play a little bit more, and at this point, the other part of it is is that he's going to a team that has... Beaten Carolina um, as often uh, as just about any opponent in college football, really, here recently. Um, in terms of you know the rivalries, this is one that uh, Carolina just has not been able to find a way to win. The momentum is going in NC State's favor. I mean, look what they're doing on the uh, on, in the transfer portal. This is one that makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. Now, it sucks that Carolina is losing him to them. It also is a little bit of a blow to me for Carolina in this class because... You look at the other receivers that Carolina has, and Jordan Ship is a guy that I think, uh, because of the way that he runs routes, I think he's probably a guy that fits well on the outside. He has the ability to take the top off the defense. Really a complete receiver. We saw it early in the year when he played in the Key Pounding Classic here in Charlotte. Um, I was there for that game. That pretty much showed you everything that you needed to see and he carried that throughout this entire year at Providence Day school while competing with some other really talented receivers that are going to be playing uh, at FBS Power 5 schools uh, either next year or in the near future. you know, but the thing with Keenan Jackson is, is that you know he knows he's a guy that fits on the outside. He's a guy that can win jump balls. Um, I think you know that's something that we saw Jordan Ship have the potential to do, um, and hopefully he will be able to build off of that because he needs somebody that can go up and get those fifty-fifty balls. Um, that Carolina does like to throw when they go down the field, and that is not expected to change, whether it's Connor Harrell or Max Johnson uh, or whoever it is moving forward in the future. That's a big part of Carolina's passing game is the downfield deep shots where guys have to go up and sometimes win those 50-50 balls. Um, look, they've got other guys in the last couple of classes, looking at Chris Culliver, a guy that can do that, but... You would have liked to have another guy like that in this class. And I just, you know, Alex Taylor's a guy you got to figure out where he fits. He's versatile. You really like that. But is he a guy that fits in the slot? Or is he a guy uh, that is going to be able to play for you on the outside? They've got to answer that question because Javarius Green, pure slot receiver. uh, So you know that he's going to be a guy that isn't going to be able to contribute for you on the outside. That's the only area I think that it really hurts you. Other than that... I mean, you're bringing in three wide receivers in this class. Last year, you brought in three wide receivers in that class. You've been a, a team that if they want to go into the transfer portal to find wide receivers, they should be able to do it no problem, especially as long as Lonnie Galloway is here. It seems like uh, you know, Carolina is going to stay away from the transfer portal this, this go-around at wide receiver because they really like the group that they have. So uh, I, I think... You know you hate that it has to happen this way. you hate that it has to happen so close to signing day, but it wasn't something that was uh it was unexpected. It's probably part of the reason that Carolina pushed a little bit harder with Tyrene Stewart because now Carolina still at twenty seven commits in the class uh still leaves them with a little bit of wiggle room on the transfer portal in terms of scholarship numbers um but still, this is going to be a roster that's going to be filled. A lot by this class that Carolina is getting uh, that will start signing tomorrow on National Signing Day. And, yeah, once again, guys, we'll have coverage on the website. I'm going to try to keep up with it. I am uh, going to have to host uh, on the main airwaves again tomorrow uh, with my guy Mac. Um, So I will try to keep you guys as up-to-date as possible. Normally, in years past, we've done the National Signing Day thread. More than likely, I will just be tweeting out when guys sign their letter of intent and it officially comes through because a lot of guys will be signing it in the morning. It's not going to be, you know, they're, they're talking about them, you know, signing in front of their school at a special ceremony. All of that stuff, usually all that stuff is just for show. Most guys have their stuff signed and it's in unless they are someone that is flipping or there's somebody that's committing there on the spot. So like a few years ago, um, actually it's, it's even more than a few years ago now, it's almost half a decade ago, believe it or not, uh, when I went and saw Sam Howell um, sign on National Signing Day, that was a, a true flip at that time. He was actually signing the letter of intent right there uh, in front of everybody, um, which was pretty cool to see. But yeah, most of these guys, they'll have their stuff taken care of earlier in the day. And will be signed for Carolina. And then it's just about figuring out the guys who are going to early enroll. Five guys already on campus. Actually, now it's six. Johnny Norwood uh, joined the other day. So uh, Carolina with a good group that's going to travel with them to Charlotte. um, That will be participating in practice and everything like that. Uh, So it'll be really good to get those guys on campus and some big names already patrolling the sidelines there in Chapel Hill. Let's talk about the guys uh, in the transfer portal that Carolina has landed. Uh, They landed two guys here uh, late last week. Um, And this is, you know, something that, you know, two guys that we had heard Carolina had been linked to. I think the first one, not as much as the second one. And let's start with that first guy because I think it's the one that's probably a little bit more important for Carolina in terms of their needs in uh, this transfer cycle. And that is Georgia offensive lineman Austin Blasquet. Um this is one that you know we had kind of seen I had heard rumors behind the scenes that Carolina was getting linked to him. As we got closer, some of that stuff started becoming more and more public. He took an official visit to Chapel Hill in the middle of last week and clearly saw everything that he needed to see, has a good connection with Randy Clements, and Carolina is able to land him. And this one is huge. Look, Blaske, not a guy that did a whole lot at Georgia, didn't play a ton there. Uh, but was competing for the starting left tackle job before last season. Gets beat out by a guy that's probably going to be one of the best offensive linemen uh, in college football within the next couple of years. So you can't really get too angry about that. Um, and the thing is, is that he provides some versatility. He's a guy that can play tackle. He's done that. In you know the last two years of Georgia, all of his snaps have come in either right tackle or left tackle, so a guy that provides the versatility there wherever Carolina needs him. He could be able to play. Um, Of course, right tackle Carolina is losing Spencer Rollins, so maybe that's where he slots in. But also, his first year at Georgia, he played 47 snaps, and all those came at center. Carolina looking for an interior offensive lineman uh, to add to this class. And again, that all depends really on what Willie Lampkin is going to do. Are they going to move him to center? Are they going to keep him at guard? Um, Whatever they ultimately end up deciding with him, I think, goes a long way to determining where Blasquet plays. And where Blasquet plays goes a long way to determining where Carolina looks in the transfer portal um, the rest of the way. So, yeah, I, I think that's honestly uh, the, the big question that Carolina has. But in terms of what he brings to the table, I mean, very physical. Um, one of the things that I saw somebody post on social media uh, that was said about him um, to them was that he is a culture builder. Carolina's losing that type of guy in Corey Gaynor. That was one of the things that you really liked about Corey Gaynor. Uh, a guy that sort of established that uh, that that hard-minded culture to that offensive line group. A guy that um, w- was a leader and led by example. So I, I think that you know losing him, but adding Blasquet, a guy that can take over that role. That's you know been under you know honestly a guy that some of the guys are on uh, the roster currently. Were uh, played under, and uh, you know, just being at Georgia and being under Kirby Smart and the rest of that staff as well, um, you know, along with Stacy Searles, I think, uh, you know, probably pays off well for Carolina to bring him in. Um, I I think, you know, this is one of those guys that it's hard to really look at him and say, uh, you know, like some of the other guys that Carolina could have gotten or could still get out of the transfer portal that. Uh, have a long track record, what exactly he will bring to the table. Uh, But look, I mean, the fact that he was at Georgia, the fact that he was competing for a starting job at that university this past year, I mean, look, it bodes pretty well for him, and it says a lot about the type of player that he is. I think Carolina got a really solid one here. Uh, At the worst, look, this is a guy that comes in, competes for one of the jobs, and even if for some reason he does end up coming up short in those battles, you bring in a guy uh, to at least compete with some of the other guys and push some of the other talent that you have there along the offensive line. If a guy like Trevion Green steps up a tackle, then that's great. You you really like Trevion Green, Slide him in, and let's go to work. But uh, I think Blasquet is a guy that can help Carolina in multiple ways. Um, and, you know, we'll, again, we'll see what kind of domino effect it has where Carolina goes in the transfer portal the rest of the way. One of the guys that Carolina was looking at, quickly before we talk about the other guy uh, that committed to Carolina out of the portal, uh, one of the other guys they were looking at, Howard Sampson, the offensive tackle from North Texas, he has committed – to TCU. So he is off the table. Carolina really it felt like had a great opportunity to get him. I don't know if this was one where Carolina, you know, they hosted him for an official visit. They found out that Blasquet uh, was uh, you know more interested than maybe they even realized when they hosted Samson at that time and maybe they chose Blasquet over Samson. Don't know. But Um, This is one that, you know, Randy Clements had a relationship with him. It felt like Carolina was in good standing. But this is also a guy that grew up in the state of Texas, went to high school there, um, and before eventually going to North Texas. And so he lands at TCU. Maybe he was just a guy that wanted to stay close to home. Not really that concerning. I mean, again, showed some flashes at the end of last season in the two games that he played with, but still far from a finished product and having to bring a guy that really didn't do a whole lot at the group of five level up to the power five level. uh, It's going to be a pretty significant jump, wishing him the best at TCU, but that's me saying, you know, for Carolina, it's not like they were losing a guy that was coming in and was going to be a guaranteed starter. Now, the thing is, in terms of where Carolina goes the uh, now at you know, in the transfer portal along the offensive line, but that's this is where they got to figure out what they're doing with Lampkin and then what they're doing with Blasque, because if they're choosing to keep Blasque out of tackle. You probably feel pretty good about him out there with Diego Pounds, who I thought progressed as the season went along at left tackle. That would then mean that you're probably looking at interior offensive linemen in this class. And look, Carolina, this is one of the things that's frustrating about Carolina and their approach uh, so far in the transfer portal, and part of it is probably because of how many guys they're bringing in. Uh, as I told you earlier, in that 2024 recruiting class, they probably don't have a lot of available scholarships, so they're being picky, but you're starting to see big names go off the board. You look at a lot of these different position groups, and there are already some pretty significant guys that are gone. Um, the thing is, you know, uh, to me, uh, you know, when I look at the interior offensive line group, there's a few guys there that Carolina has relationships with that they offered out of high school and uh, we're working on. The most significant is Addison Nichols, a guy that's out of the Atlanta area, uh, transferring out of Tennessee. Didn't really do a ton there, saw some mild action, uh, but would be a guy that you're sort of taking a risk on. Carolina's shown they're willing to do that. Uh, You know, They're doing it with Blasque. I think this is a guy that the staff knows. Granted, it's not the same staff that recruited him out of high school, but still, Mac Brown has a relationship with them. This is one that I think Carolina should definitely pursue. Another guy that Carolina offered at one time now I don't really remember just off the top of my head how serious they they the push was for him, uh, but a guy that's out of the state of Florida, you would imagine uh, some of the other guys on the staff may have been involved with him at that time uh, because of the connections that Carolina had to the state of Florida uh, and the state of Georgia. When you go back to Addison Nichols as well, um, with their previous uh, at their previous jobs, you know Thomas Schrader, another, you know a guy that it was pushing, was competing for. Uh, you know, for reps at Florida State, did actually start a game back in 2021. Biggest thing for him has been injuries. That's really what's hurt him throughout his career there. He enters the transfer portal earlier on in this cycle, and he's one that I think Carolina uh, should strongly consider uh, in this class. If, you know, Carolina ends up, um, you know, moving Blasquet into center so that they can keep Willie Lampkin at that right guard spot where he succeeded this season, well, then you look at the offensive tackle group. Um, And to me, there's two very clear guys that Carolina should be uh, looking at at this point. Monroe Mills, the offensive tackle out of uh, of Texas Tech, started for uh, the majority. I believe he started every game, actually, this season for Texas Tech and graded out incredibly well. It doesn't seem like his list Is filled with a lot of big name teams, so this is one that Carolina could probably jump into. Now you may have to spend a little bit of NIL money to get him in there because of how successful he was at a power five school. But this is one of those guys. Look, he's in a system that likes to throw the ball a lot. I know Carolina is gonna want to run the football a little bit more next year, but still, this is a guy that is a really good pass protector. That's been the biggest weakness that Carolina has had for the last few years with their offensive line. I think this. This is more than worth the risk for Carolina to go out and take a look at him. And then you've got uh, another Ivy League transfer, uh, Spencer Rowland. remember, was in that same boat. But another guy that really thrived at the Ivy League level, honestly, probably even a little bit more than Spencer Rowland, and that's Jacob Rizzi uh, out of Harvard. I-, I think this is a guy that, you know, you look at him, it, to me, Mills would be the first guy that I would want Carolina to go after. But when you look at the numbers from Rizzy, I mean, they are really, really good. He did not allow double-digit pressures in any of his three seasons at the college level, two of which he was a full-time starter. This is this is a dude that could legitimately come in and make an impact as well for Carolina at the tackle position. So when you look purely at the um, at, at the you know, two position groups, interior offensive line, and tackle that remain in this class, uh, I think you know you would probably want to see what you could get out of Blasque at center and bring in one of those other guys as a potential starter at offensive tackle. But ultimately, you have to figure out where you think uh, the best fit is for Blasque. If that is at tackle, well, then you roll with it. And you go out and get one of those interior offensive line guys. But regardless, Carolina has to go out and add somebody on this offensive line. They they have too many holes. You're talking about Ed Montalis gone. William Barnes, a, a depth guy on the interior of the offensive line. And also a guy that can play tackle for you, gone. Spencer Rollin, gone. Corey Gaynor, gone. So uh, you're, you're talking about three starters uh for the me for the majority of the season. If you go back to the opening night uh starting group, there's actually four guys that are gone for Carolina. Although no, Montelus didn't start. That's right. So um still just three. But this is still a, a group that you have to be able to add another veteran presence or possibly even two if there's that much interest uh, just to try to you know get get some guys in here this this room I think needs some new blood they're still not quite where they need to be, and this is a way for Carolina to try to take a step towards getting there let 's talk about the second commitment that Carolina landed. Uh, I added the transfer portal. Uh, This came yesterday, uh, and that was uh, the news that a lot of us had been expecting when we saw him enter the transfer portal. That's Max Johnson's brother, Jake Johnson, the tight end, is joining Carolina. Um, You know, look, Jake was a guy that at Texas A and M did some really good things, uh, especially you know at points this year. Um, but you know still far from a finished product, uh, one that has a ton of upside though an extremely uh, highly regarded player coming out of high school um, it, so I, I mean Carolina, look, did they need somebody else in this tight end room no, it wasn't a desperate need for Carolina, but you get a guy that is high regarded as one of the best tight end prospects um, coming out uh, of. Uh, You know, his high school days. Um, This year, you know, played in 12 games, 24 catches, 235 yards, four touchdowns. Um, You know, the blocking numbers for him, not great, an area that he has to improve. And we've heard, you know, Freddie Kitchen say, if you don't block, you won't play. The thing is, is that we saw as the year went along, you know, early in the season, you saw a lot of Kamari Morales along with John Copenhaver, but. Quickly, you saw Bryson Nesbitt start to establish himself. If you can catch the football, if you can affect the game in that way, it's hard to keep you off the field. And it feels like that's what Jake Johnson can do. Um, this addition is one that you know does a couple of things for you. One, it continues to strengthen that tight end room. Um, you'll look. Julian Randolph was a guy that Carolina brought in in the last class. They still have high hopes for him. Um the future of this group you're hoping could be Randolph and Johnson together. Um but this is a guy that gives you a little bit of experience in that third tight end role. Um and you know, now it, it keeps your room about as strong as any in college football. Um, you know, Bryson Nesbitt, another outstanding season. Um, this is a guy, though, that we know. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure if he has finalized his decision. We haven't heard anything uh, really finalized just yet. We know he's not playing in the bowl game, but that's due to injury. Um, but he's still a guy that could leave for the NFL. Don't know if that's still on the table and maybe is part of why Carolina uh, was so aggressive. Although with Johnson, you brought in, uh, his brother Max, that's probably part of the reason why you end up bringing him in as well. It also doesn't hurt that he is a rather talented cat in his own right. But I do think that, you know, Carolina could still be thinking about that. Regardless, uh, even if he is coming back, uh, Nesbitt that is, you could combine Nesbitt with John Copenhaver. We've seen Copenhaver be a guy that at times has been on and off the field uh, with injury problems especially this year and so now you'll have Jake Johnson there waiting in the wings and ready to go Um, and again once you get through this season you'll lose Copenhaver Um, you would expect that you'll lose Bryson Nesbitt for sure and then Carolina uh, from there you know you're you're looking at a situation where you probably have Jake Johnson and Julian Randolph moving forward so Uh, I definitely think this is a worthwhile pickup by Carolina. It strengthens that group, which uh, Connor Harrell or Max Johnson could lean on a lot uh, next year. And that's the other big thing, is that if Max Johnson wins the job, um, which it certainly is possible. The talent is there. I know know, LSU, things didn't go great. Texas A&M, kind of up and down. But, look, this guy at times has shown you that he is a really, really solid quarterback. Um, He does have the ability to move the football down the field. He has the ability to throw the deep ball. Um, And, you know, more than anything, he doesn't turn the football over, which could be enticing to Carolina. It really all depends on what ends up happening uh, with Connor Harrell. It'll all start in the bowl game. Um, on uh, December 27th, which is now uh, just a little over a week away. Um, But yeah, I, I think if Max Johnson ends up being the guy, yeah, you've got some really talented guys that he'll be throwing to at receiver that he will develop a nice rapport with, but you're going to have a guy that he knows about as well as you can know a guy. Because you grew up with them uh, and your brother, and I mean, their connection at Texas A&M uh, was one that was pretty solid as well. So I think this is a guy that Carolina wanted to bring in to potentially help out Max Johnson if he wins the job, but more so to be a guy that can be the future of the position, uh, one that you couldn't pass up with just how talented he really is. So Carolina, you know, they add those two guys in the portal, told you about Howard Sampson. The other guy that Carolina was hoping they would be able to get in uh, was defensive tackle Joey Slackman. He visited last week. Carolina really set themselves up nicely in this one, but they end up finishing in the runner-up spot because they weren't able to do enough to top the visit that he took last weekend. Not this weekend that just passed, but the one before that, To Florida. That's where he ends up committing. Um, He he made that known on Sunday night, and uh, yeah, this one, this one hurts a little bit for Carolina because it felt like they were in such a great position. This was one of the most well-regarded prospects in the transfer portal. A guy that ranked uh, on just about every site uh, that ranks. Uh, these transfer uh, players ranked inside of the top ten in ev- on every one of those sites in terms of overall prospects and uh, you know Carolina was really hoping they would be able to reel this one in, uh, but they just come up short and you can't really blame them Carolina's defensive line play has just not been great. You wonder if that weighed in. I know he said uh, when talking to inside Carolina that um, he, he really did establish a pretty good relationship with Tim Cross, and that's something that we've heard about Tim Cross—a guy that, recruiting-wise, does a great job uh, of really making the uh, recruits feel at home, establishing, a, you know, a good rapport with all of them. But the problem is, is that you know, at some point, yeah, you can really like the coach you can you know really like the campus but when you look at the lack of success that Carolina has had at developing defensive line talent it probably doesn't help you all that much and that could have ultimately been the difference here now in terms of some of the guys that Carolina could target i think the most obvious one that Carolina should look at is James Carpenter the transfer from James Madison, a guy that was at one time a walk-on player, uh, developed into a really, really impactful player in the middle of that defensive line over the past few years for James Madison, including this year uh, in in what has been an amazing season for the Dukes. And, you know, look, this is another one. NC State is in on him. This is a chance for you to sort of get back at NC State for what they were able to do, taking away Keenan Jackson. Um, Carolina just, again, you talk about, I, I said it with the offensive line, and I think you need it even more with the defensive line. This team needs some new blood in that room they need guys that haven't been there uh, that have been elsewhere can bring different experiences in a room that right now is just struggling to find any sort of consistency week to week it can't hurt bringing a guy like him in Um, now Carolina does have their work cut out for them they're going to be joining this one late Um, so we'll have to see but Uh, I definitely think that is a guy that Carolina should pursue. Um, There are a couple other guys, some more high-end guys that Carolina uh, would have to get on immediately if they wanted to be a factor in these races. But look, Kelvin Gilliam Jr., a guy that went to Oklahoma, didn't play a whole lot there. Extremely talented four-star guy coming out of high school. Um, He's a guy that Carolina does have a little bit of a relationship with. Comes out of Highland Springs High School up there in uh, Highland Springs, Virginia. Um, So uh, that's an area that Carolina was recruiting pretty well uh, there for a time. You would imagine that Mac Brown probably spoke to him at some point. Um, Again, it might be a surface-level relationship because that was a guy that it never really felt like Carolina uh, was firmly in the running for. Um, But I still think that it's worth Potentially taking a shot on a guy that I think still has a lot of pure talent, and bringing him in, you know, hopefully that could be a guy that Carolina uh, would be able to uh, develop a little bit. And then Isaiah Hastings, uh, a guy out of Alabama that didn't play a whole lot in his first couple of years there, um, he was also, uh, you know, a highly rated guy coming out of high school. So, you know, another guy that Carolina could potentially bring in. Hope that a change of scenery uh, could allow him. To succeed, so there is everything that you guys need to know uh, regarding uh, everything going on around Carolina football. Uh, you know, of course, uh, you can go and check out all the articles on the website. I got an article up there about Tyrone Stewart and his commitment to Carolina, one on the decommitment of Keenan Jackson, uh, and then, of course, you can go back uh, and read all the stuff that we have on uh, the two commits in the portal. Austin Blaske, go a little more in-depth on him, as well as Jake Johnson, breaking both of those guys down, uh, and then uh, articles up there. Don't have the Howard Sampson one. Wasn't able to throw that one up. I was just able to write that one today, uh, so I'm going to throw that one up actually tomorrow morning for you guys, uh, Uh, So make sure you're keeping an eye on that. Uh, Go a little more in-depth on uh, Carolina missing on him and uh, also talk a little bit more about those guys that I pointed to that they should potentially be looking at to try to fill uh, that offensive line spot uh, that they need uh, to add at in the transfer portal. So all of that stuff up there on the website at uh, Of course, we'll have you covered with National Signing Day stuff tomorrow. Um, again, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the normal thread that I do. Um, it'll really just be more updates uh, through, um, th- through the social media websites. I'll probably try to do it on Twitter and on Facebook, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out Uh, for that tomorrow morning. Uh, And then uh, I will, of course, have an article that will be up for you guys. I will record the podcast, breaking down the class as well. So plenty more stuff coming your way on the football side of things uh, here over the next day or so. And then uh, also make sure while you're over there on the website, you check out the preview for Carolina's game against Oklahoma. Uh, This is a huge one for Carolina. They not going to say it's a it 's a must win, but this is one that it feels like Carolina really needs um, they 've been very competitive in their three losses against three really solid teams. Um, the last two that they 've played are teams that could make deep runs in March, but it feels like Carolina needs uh, to get a win in one of these big games they got a chance to do that in Charlotte against the undefeated Oklahoma Sooners. Josh has uh, everything that you need to know heading into that matchup up there on the website for you guys to check out. And also, uh, he will have you covered uh, after the game. He is going to be there live in person as a member of the media, so make sure that you check out uh, all of that stuff. Uh, on the website, com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Four Corners podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Same place you're listening to this podcast. Uh, and if you're somebody that is watching uh, on social media, if you're watching the Waveform edition of the podcast, do know that we are going to stay at the station and make sure that we do the bowl game preview and then eventually the bowl game recap on camera um other than that again guys we are still trying to get our internet issues ironed out Um, it is uh just as frustrating as it gets uh we've tried so many different things i think a new modem might be the next thing that we're gonna attempt to try uh, over here at the house so uh, i'll keep you up to date on all of that and again really appreciate you guys sticking through Um, those of you that are diehards Uh, Really appreciate you guys tuning in, and hopefully we will be able to get back on camera here uh, sometime soon, full-time, so that we we have that element uh, for you guys. I know you guys were really enjoying that, and we hate uh, that we have uh, had to take that off the air here while we've been dealing with these technical difficulties. But once again, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening to this edition, and as always... Go, Tar Heels!